The Lupa and Roy Show is a Say What Media production. That was pretty good. Hello, Lupa and Roy Show Nation. This is your regular dude, Tom, and I'm here to inform you we're on a break this week. But we have a very special interview to share that was originally aired right before Lupe's Food and Liquor concert this past month. So for those of you who didn't catch it, or those who just want to watch it again, sit back, grab your popcorn, and enjoy the show. Hey, and please remember, at the, sh- at the end of each and every show, we uh, air your voicemails. Um, you can also leave a voicemail to get on the show at 707-276-6261. Leave us a rating on Apple and definitely share the show on social using hashtag Lupe and Royce. The Lupe and Royce show is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and all those other places. Uh, we'll be back next week for a regular episode. Until then, peace and love. Today's show is sponsored by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn modern Japanese cooking from Nikki Nakayama or learn scientific thinking and communication from Neil deGrasse Tyson with over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors. That thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Learning a lot? Fellas, I'm in the midst of learning about the art of negotiation with Chris Voss. He's a former negotiator for the FBI and talks about bargaining, body language, and neuroscience and the fact that great negotiation is about great collaboration. The give and the take and the belief of who's doing what. I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass, and as a listener of the Lupe and Roy Show, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Lupe and Royce. That's masterclass.com slash Lupe and Royce for 15% off masterclass. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Previously on the Lupe and Royce Show. Have you ever one, seen Seinfeld? Yes, I have. Have you ever seen the one where Kramer decided to become super efficient and so he did mm-hmm. he tried to compile as many activities into one as possible throughout his day <laughs> knows that scene <laughs> where he was washing all the food in the shower so he <laughs> oh, that is right <laughs> i wish i could laugh at that i was too busy watching friends oh my god <laughs> anyway the lupa and roy show is a say what media production that was pretty good Yo, what up? This is Lupe Fiasco, and food and liquor is 15 years old, cuz. Yo, what up? This is Royce of 5'9", and I'm telling you right now, son, we ain't talking about cl- nothing but classic shit today. Nothing. That's it. That's it. Tom, it's on you. This is Tom Frank. I'm just a regular guy, and we're bringing you a very, very special episode of the Lupe and Royce Show. Lupe, we're diving all in. Yeah, man, I've seen you did One it. word. What? What kind of gun? One word to describe food and liquor. What would it be? Uh, man. Classic. He asked me, Royce. Uh, first. Well, yeah. I, 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 I don't get an answer to? Oh, to. oh, I thought you, I thought we, oh, okay, my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> first. We're off to a, to a good start. First. It's not a, is it a, I don't know if it's officially 15 years old, so I want to make sure. It's Ramadan, so I, I want to make sure I'm not spreading lies, and I won't be cussing either, because uh, I'm trying to maintain. It's 15 years purity. old. It's, I think it's, I think it's around there. Came out in 2006. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. But first, I hesitate to say classic, even though I know it is, it sits in that space as a classic. Uh, has all of them. Is it a classic? Yes, it's a classic. There you go. I know. Here's why I ask. Here's why I ask. 
10 years ago, or no, five years ago when it was on its 10-year anniversary, someone asked you if it was a classic album. And you at that point, you said no. Damn, still. Who? That's what I'm yeah, saying. but it's not, a, it's not up to, that's, that's, that's not up, that's not up to, to Lupe to determine. The fans get to, get to determine what's classic and what's not. And as far as general consensus, it's considered a classic, for sure. There you go. I would consider it a classic. Do you consider it a classic? Mm, damn. All I see is the mistakes, you know? All I see is what I could have done yeah, better. Yeah, but it's, about that. it's not about that. It's about the way that it, it's perceived. Reacted. The way that it reacts to culture and the way the way that it resonates and the way that it ages in the within the culture. I was gonna say, it's out of your hands now. I was gonna say I do have recently I, I have gained an appreciation for it um, in that way, like for myself personally. Like I find myself because I had to listen to it again to remember it for the show, right? Like going through it, going through it, going through it. Remember all the words. And I started to gain, apologize. I started to gain a uh, a deeper appreciation for the album, like personally. Like I started to enjoy it. Like, oh man, that really rocks. Like, oh that, re- oh that's pretty cool. Like, oh man, didn't even know that was coming. And part of it is because why you think what why you think that is, Lou? Part of it is because you know we did so we had the we had food and liquor in '06 and then the cool in '07, right? But we was working, I mean, we was working on Food and Liquor prior to that. And you know how when you're working on an album, you'd be working, you know, the day that it come out ain't the day you just start working on it, right? So you might have been working through stuff for that mm-hmm. time or whatever, right? And uh, when we used to perform records from Food and Liquor, it's like when the cool came, Food and Liquor kind of got pushed. The the songs that we performed kind of got pushed, you know, like, oh, we're not going to do that song no more. We, or... You know, people want to hear this song, so we're going to replace that song with this song because we only got 40 minutes or we you know, 30 minutes or an hour to perform, right? And so if we were going to cut anything, it was we are going to start cutting records from, like, food and liquor. You know, and the same thing with lasers. Lasers come out, so, okay, we're going to have just a mix of the cool and lasers. Maybe we just do the hits is what we would call it. So we would just pick the, the hits from food and liquor and just do those um, to fill out the show, which is a, a kind of a blessing and a curse. But the... The thing would be is that we would only do maybe like two verses. You know what I'm saying? That is one song or one verse of this one song. So over the years, that's what I just got used to. Just hearing one verse of, of a particular song or two verses to the point where I didn't even remember like the other verses or whole songs that we had never performed or something like that. Right. So when I went back. Um, and we, we knew we were going to start doing like food and liquor only tours or shows, maybe like last year, two years ago, right before COVID is when we were supposed to do like a food and liquor tour. So that was the first one of a few of the first times where I started to actually go back through the whole record and listen to the whole, like relearn these verses, hear these songs that I hadn't even done. Like just recently it was like, man, I know Jay-Z's verse for pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like I could start doing Jay-Z's mm-hmm. verse for pressure. That would have been like, I don't even know my verse from Pressure, you know, a few years ago type situation. So mm-hmm. being reintroduced to the music for, of my own music for the sake of having to perform it again and then finding ways like, you know, oh, the way I'm going to do this now that I'm older, you know, when not 15 years ago, I would have approached it this way. I would have did it that way. So now it's like all of the stuff that I learned through the years with different albums, different performances. Um, I can put, I can project that stuff back onto food and liquor. So it's almost kind of like an update. You know what I'm saying? Little tweaks, little things here. Mm. 
uh, a little bit more comfortability with the music. And I mean, and may wrap may wrap up on this is like because I know that the album is con- the consideration that Rush just gave it. You know, I I ain't really got nothing to prove. You know, like I'm not trying to sell this album anymore. Like when it first came out, you're trying to sell it. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to win people over. The work is already done. Mm-hmm. So you approach it in a different way where you can really enjoy it for what it is as opposed to having the pressure, like the financial pressure or the sales pressure or the, the, the cultural pressure. For, you know, like the, the rappers really like this. Is, is this is this really good hip hop or stuff like that? All those, all that's done. You know, so now you can just like enjoy the performance, enjoy the music, enjoy the the, uh, the features and the collabs and stuff like that. So that's why I say I got a better appreciation for it now. What yeah. was one of the songs that that when you re-listened to or you relearned it, like that you're like, whoa, I really now appreciate. Like this is a song I haven't done in a long time. That when I look back on it, it kind of it kind of shines. Uh, real, which is like the first track on the album, one of the first tracks, mm. real. And I mean, we were we were rehearsing with the band with it one time, so we we you know we, we got this show, but we were doing food and liquor shows like right before COVID. And was doing it with a with a with a full band, and uh, rehearsing with the band, and we would just do real, and it was just like, yo, this rocks, like this is, like this is this is a vibe, you know what I'm saying? Like this is a vibe, this is a vibe, and you can kind of think like, oh, it's it's a vibe now because it's live, right? Like you got all, all the musicians and all these pieces and the parts, and then even when that goes away, and I'm just listening to it just as the song on the CD where it's just produced, you know, it's still like, oh, this is a vibe, like oh, this is. That's this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So, probably real that I find myself going back to and just listening and listening and listening, uh, and like, yo, this rocks, you know. But then you is is many discoveries throughout the album, right? Because you're like, man, I forgot what this third verse was even about, and then you hear that third verse and you're like, ooh, I see why people vibe with this. Like, I see why people had this respect for this song or respect for that stuff that I forgot about. Like, is it safe to say? That after a certain amount of time, when you're not in it and you're not thinking about anything but the music, you're able to go back to it retroactively and hear it as a fan and appreciate it as a fan, as opposed to just being an artist and you can just appreciate it differently. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, you become it's and it's almost like because it's done the work, like it's proved itself and won its battles it doesn't come across as like vanity. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it could come across like that's right. a vain way to think. Right. Um, but there's nothing really else to prove. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that, you know, food and liquor is going to go, you know, like super triple platinum anytime soon, you know? So at a sales way, it's kind of like at its age, you know, um, hopefully be re- rediscovered and that, that occurs or something happens. But even without that saying, like, it, it can come across like, oh, that's a vain thing to say. You're a fan of your own music. But it's like, nah, I mean, it's already improved itself. Like, it improved itself to be a, a body of work that people love and, and rock with. So now I can step back, like you said, and be in the audience, right? And look at it from that point of view. And literally because I forgot it. You know, so it's like I'm being reintroduced to it in a certain way. And so it's like you get that first kiss experience all over again, you know? And you know us as writers, we entertain by the stuff we write as we write it, you know, that, that epiphany or that, that, that the way like, Oh, how can I play this word? How can, Oh, this metaphor. And sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. And I find myself laughing, 
like when I started writing, like, oh, that was that was funny. That was dope. Like, oh, such such gonna love as an artist, as an artist, right? As an artist. Yeah. And then, so imagine you forget all that, that whole mm-hmm. piece, and then you come back to the music, and you you ain't got no yo, ain't no expectations, literally. And then you hear it, and you're like, oh, that was dope. Like, oh, that was dope. But then you're like, oh, I did that. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I mean. Those lines, those lines you forgot. You forgot you even said and shit. There's been so many since then. And then you go back, and it's like, wow, okay. I'm, I like hearing it from this perspective. And no pressure perspective. Because I know we spoke candidly about Kick Push. And um, your intention wasn't for it to do what it did. So would you say, looking back in retrospect, that that, that some of the questions that you may have had, that it, that the success of it may have posed, because it's considered a classic, the song itself is considered a classic. Would you say that the song itself answered some of the questions that it posed, being able to listen to it as a fan, from a fan perspective? I mean, the, the difference with Kick Push and the rest of the album is, Kick Push has been alive this whole time, you know, so we're not doing the show and we're not doing Kick Push. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of the hits. Even even back then, we recognized it was a cultural hit. You know, we recognized that it it, it, it had did something in the space that was outside of hip hop, that was outside of skateboard. It just transcended so many spaces. So so Kick Push been with us this whole time and you kind of get it's almost like taken for granted. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're going to do kick push in the middle of the show. Right. Or, you know, you're going to do kick push first. And we're like, man, he did kick push first, because they know I got 10 other records. That's going to have that same type of reaction. Right. Or, oh, we're going to do kick push last, you know, as the encore. Cause now we could do encores. You feel me? Like we can, Oh, he forgot to do kick push. Like, no, I didn't. Here we go. Right. But in terms of like the initial, like, and like, like you said, we talked, like the initial piece of, of kick push, it was never meant to be my song. You know what I'm saying? It was never at any moment in its creation that it was supposed to be mine. Right. Like it was like, I heard the beat and I was like, man, this beat would be dope for them. You know what I'm saying? And I had the chorus. I was like, yo, this chorus would be dope to go on that beat. That's for them. Right. And then the verses was almost like throwaways. Well, it was like, well, you got a beat, you got a chorus hey, I got some verses, right? And then you do the verses, but the verses, again, are for them, right? And it's like, if I got one verse, I might as well finish the story, right? And it's only till it's completed and then somebody else hears it and it's like, no, that's for you, right? Like, and now it's definitely <laughs> Now it's mine, right? It's so different yes. up until that point. I don't say it's so different, but it has a it has a songs that I that I consider to be album songs. Like like this is gonna represent me that people are gonna pay for, you know, we're gonna have exchange of value. That's so different from everything that I was making up until that point, right? Because um, what I wanted to be known for was like, man, I wanna be the dude who came from the streets, but also the politics and the martial arts and all the other stuff just, just all bundled into this thing. I wanna come across as that, you know, the nerd kid and dying and dying. And I looked at Kick Push never to be a part of that program at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, I don't want, I don't want to go a hundred percent. Like, I never thought it was going to be anything like that, but it, it wasn't a part of the program. It wasn't a part of the process. Right. And then it became the process, you know, to the point where now, you know, Kick Push is, if I'm known for anything, 
you know, you got to mention kick push, right? You got, you got mm-hmm. to. So. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Now that, that, when you, you dedicated this album originally to your grandmother, yeah. correct? I mean, I re-listened to this again and your grandmother at the very beginning. Um, it was she kind of the inspiration behind it or, or what was the, what was the true inspiration? What was the, what was the thought process behind Food and Liquor? Um, you know, I wanted the title itself, right? If you go to Chicago, yeah, all the stores are called Food and Liquors, you know? So like in Detroit, how they got Coney's, right? It's like every this restaurant's a coney, that restaurant's a coney, you know, this is a coney. Uh, all our corner stores are food and liquors, right? And Mike's food and liquor, one stop food and liquor, one eleven food and liquor, uh, whatever food and liquor. And uh the the liquor store was always I feel like it's it's funny because I'm remembering like promo that I used to do back then. People like, so what is this album about? I'm like, oh yo, so food and liquor, blah, 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 right? But it was like the name of the stores that we used to go to as kids and each store had a different like energy, a different set of consequences and circumstances to get there. And then what was happening up there. So it could be the store where people get shot, you know, it could be the store where the dude is cool. You know, the store owner is cool, right? The, it could be another store. That's like, that's that gang neighborhood. And you can't, you know, or that store got this type of candy and this store don't, and that store got the vegetables, but this store don't. Right. So, it was always like the center of the community because that's where everybody went to get their supplies. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have like a grocery store like that. We we kind of had something like a little grocery store, but nothing like like a Costco or or a Jewel or something like that. Like we we it was like if you wanted a, a treat or you wanted to get something just quick for the crib or some bread or something like that, you go to the food and liquor store. So, but it was the food and liquor store. You know what I'm saying? So it had. You know, me not me not growing up Muslim, not drinking, uh, seeing like actually developing a hatred for alcohol because of what it was doing in my community and what I've seen. You know, it was that like, man, like that's the bad, you know, and then like the food is the good, but it's all mm-hmm. in one place, you know, and I've every everything that I see has good and bad. You know, I, I, I can we you can see the smiles and the jokes of the prostitutes. Right. But then you'll hear about, you know. The, the prostitute that, that got strangled at the school and her body's dumped behind the school, right? And then you got, you know, like the gangbangers, like you might play basketball with the homie, right? Until you step on his shoes. Now we now it's finna be a fight, you know what I'm saying? Or somebody finna get, somebody might die spinning off the end of that. So I've seen people come up and live both lives, the good life and the bad life, the day the angels and the demons, even myself. So... I wanted something that represented that piece, the duality of, of reality, but then also something that was just, when you came, it was, it was quintessentially Chicago, right? The food and liquor store, mm-hmm. right? So that's why you get that, that piece. And if a lot of people don't know, uh, 
if you ain't got the physical. So if you got the physical album and you look in the booklet, like there's a whole scene that we that we had played out. And uh, and actually, the two things, if you look at the CD, the CD is just a bunch of signs of the food and liquor stores. Right. That's from around the city and stuff like that. So it looked like a circus, but it's like all the food and liquor signs. But if you look at the booklet um, outside of me flying in space and doing all that, the book takes place in my hood. And it was the scene is like we replaced uh, guns with books. Right. And, And played out this scenario of like these dudes going to buy. They had a book drive by. They went and bought the books like they was guns, checking them out. They went They went to get ready, so they went and got high off milk and cookies. And then they went out and did this drive-by with the books. And the people was dead with, like, books on their face, right, laying on the ground. It's all in my old neighborhood. And then we we went to a school, and the school was flipped, where the, the now that all of the, the books were now guns. So everybody in the school had a gun. Like, everybody's learning about guns. The kids had guns and stuff like that. And it was that, again, that, that duality. But then also how those dualities are like interweave and create these weird chimeras and monsters, you know, weird situations that we kind of got to navigate through where we got to learn about violence to stay peaceful. You know, we got to learn where not to go or we got to learn to be violent. We got to stay dangerous, as they say. You know, we got to learn how to be dangerous. Right. Because that's what's going to keep us safe. You know, so it's those weird things that happen and play these weird algorithms that we got to go through as kids and as adults living in the hood. So that's what food and liquor kind of comes from, you know, serving double duty. So you can sit and think about it in that duality way, but then you can also, it represents the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any doubt about this? I mean, this was your first album. Did you have any like doubt when this, I mean, this was kind of a, a different type of, of music. It wasn't your typical rap album. So uh, it was a different kind of message. Yeah different kind of message being conveyed just just even when you talked about all of the different things that you the embodiment of so many different things most artists just from an artist's perspective would try to break themselves up into all of these different people but you basically just stage yourself similar to Tupac and you just convey Lou you know what I mean like all of these different you and you showed the, 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 the multi layers of a young black man and it's incredible because my first album Everything that you just ran down, I didn't even get all that by looking in the in the in the in the, in the booklet. But my first album, it was just a blue picture of me with a bedazzled bandana on. <laughs> it surely was. Just a bunch of it was just a bunch of songs about bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And my the way that the way that I got to this point this this point of peace that I'm at is I had to go to war for it. I had to fight for it. I had to fight for this peace. You know what I mean? So for you to be that age and to be able to express that duality so articulately and do it with cultural classics and hit hit records. It's amazing. Like, Come out of right. the gate right with that. You got to give yourself credit, bro. I mean, that's amazing. But the, here's here's the I guess there's the behind the scenes, right? The nitty gritty. When you look when you look at food and liquor, right? That was 06. We were doing it in 05, maybe pieces of 04. Uh, I was in my 20s. I was in my mid-20s, you know. Uh, and it was Jay-Z was the executive producer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing, I mean, it was on a major label. It's on Atlantic Records, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. We were doing things behind the scenes to kind of manufacture uh, its the way it was rolled out, the way it was presented, and everything that was attached to it, right? So it was real thought out, right? It wasn't just some based off passion. It wasn't something just based off like it was a thought process that, that went through it, not just musically, but everything that was attached to it, right? And so mm-hmm. that it, I mentioned Atlantic Records. That was my third record deal, right? So before that, I was on Arista with a full-blown record deal, right? Mm-hmm. Before that, we was on Epic. I was in a group, uh, kind of slaughterhouse-type situation, a few, three, four, I think it was three dudes, Butcher, D-Lo, Navi, mm-hmm. shout out to Butcher, D-Lo, Navi. They had a group called Wolfpack. But it was mm-hmm. a full-blown record deal with Epic Records, you know? Mm-hmm. So before I even got to my first record, I'd already been through the system, deals. right? I already already right. been through the, the marketing machines, the promotional right, machines, right. The, yeah. the performing to a certain degree. I kind of knew like what the lay of the land was, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like straight out of high school, straight into the league, right? It was like right. the league, you know, just never coming on the court. You know, but I was I was mm-hmm. warming up with the team and traveling with the team and you know, I might play a few minutes at the end of the game, fourth quarter to sub somebody out. But it wasn't as a um I mean, cause you can paint that, right? Like it was like dude from the hood who came and did this thing. I was out of the mm-hmm. I was out of the hood by that point. You know, I was in a different kind mm-hmm. of hood, but I was I was out of the hood right. by the time that came out. And there was something to, you know, my mixtapes were already successful, right? So what mm-hmm. people were mm-hmm. waiting on was food and liquor, right? You had already right. had, you know, Revenge of the Nerds, Fahrenheit 115. You already, you already had this, oh, this dude can rap, right? You had already mm-hmm. had, I was supposed to be on Rockefeller, right? Um, mm-hmm. Jay-Z just don't pop on in the day. I've been knowing him for years, right? On yeah. all of the pieces and parts. So it is is less of a uh, of a real organic type of thing, right? And mm-hmm. more and the album leaked three months before it's supposed to come out, right? So you had mm-hmm. the album leak come out before. So I always look at food and liquor as like like premature, but right. you give birth to like a a teenager. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like it's a premature, a premature birth teenager. of a teenager, <laughs> right? And all that that means and all that that entails. You feel me? Because it had everything going for it. You know, it had everything that it was supposed to do. And even when it came out, it still hit. You know what I'm saying? It still had like, mm-hmm. like boom, like how, how was he? How was he able to hit these pockets so quick? Because I already been at that radio station. You know, I know dude already. Mm-hmm. Like I already been here with that. I already know how this gonna work. Already, I'm hitting the ground running. As opposed to this, my first deal. This is my first, I'm going to show you me, like this is nothing, 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 nothing. It's like you already knew who I was to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. You already knew what was coming. Um, so I honestly don't look at food and liquor as being that like organic kind of thing. I actually look at the cool like that, like my second album. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Where it's like create from the space that you're in where you're stable, right? It's a You, you got a new plateau, a new platform things are stable and you starting from scratch, right? And then what can you create when you start from scratch and you're stable? 
and you get the you get the cool coming out of that, which I think is a superior record, you know, just personal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I mean, I've always been the 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 nerdy kid with the revolutionary father, with the with the with the DIY mom who can make anything and make suits and cook and do the whole piece and super intellectual and surrounded by jazz. And my brother head of the GDs for a little time with his little clique. And then, you know, my sister's a ballerina and a dancer and, you know, and all my homies are in gangs. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, you know, I'm face, I'm looking at the streets, but I'm also reading encyclopedias and I want to be a scientist, you know, and, you know, I don't even really like rap like that because it's too violent. But then I'm also the dude who was skateboarding when he was five. And then I'm also the dude who had the jump shot, had a nice little rainbow. But I was also the dude who could, uh, who could rap really, really good. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's a quilt. It's a quilt of an album all over the place. That, I was going to say, that description is exactly food and liquor. Because you have timeless pieces in there, too. I mean... American uh, terrorist. I mean, that you could have made that in the la- in the past year, and it would still apply. I mean, it, there's so many of those songs. Looking back at it uh, after a long time, that that just are ageless. And I, I, that's mm-hmm. that's scary. That's scary. But it's it's, it's, scary, it's, pro- but- it's I don't want to say I don't want to use the word prophetic because I, I just look I just watch patterns. So it ain't got nothing to do with prophecy. Patterns repeat mm-hmm. themselves, and I could see. I've lived long enough through cycles where I could see a new cycle coming off the same roots of the previous cycle mm-hmm. that ended. So you're going to get some of the same results. Part of that going back and listening to the record was that ain't, ain't pretty much changed. You know what I'm saying? Like the album is still relevant to the social conditions that were being Absolutely. talked about at the time, right? 15 years later, you know, um, you go, you go, you go back and you listen to Marvin Gaye, Nina Simone, some of the most important artists that we've ever had. And it's the same thing. It's mm. the same thing. The things that they're talking about and the things that they're speaking out against and the things that they're advocating for are the same things that we are asking for today. You know what I mean? Like in the thing, same violence, same fucking, you know, tyranny and, and everything else that goes along with it. It's all happening today. You know what I mean? That's why I think it's just important for some artists, not all have to do it, but I think it's important for the ones that are, that have a a a knack for that, like the ones that can that can speak to issues and speak about things and be coming from a place that's genuine, that's from the heart. I think it'll always last. It's gonna always last. It's gonna always be important. You know what I mean? So those kind of albums, I don't think, I don't think how much they sold should even be in the conversation because it it doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Like we gonna always be able to look back and talk about this kind of album. That's what classic is. You know what I'm saying? Like Illmatic didn't sell as many as the rest of Nas albums. Not to pivot into an album that's not speaking to a whole bunch of social issues, but just pivot into another classic album in somebody's discography where there's other classics that exist. Illmatic is something about that first one, the first classic that just does something to the culture. And if you if you are around at that time and you live through it, then you get a better understanding of the impact. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the first album, the first, and you know, we as as young rappers, we had the meta narrative that we bought into, right? Like you, same way with like ball players. You know what I'm saying? You do, you, 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 you mess around with your pops. You might do basketball camp. You know what I'm saying? You get good. 
But then when you go to, you know, you, you play eighth grade, you do that. But then when you hit high school, you, you JV varsity, right? Then you got to go, you know, McDonald's All-American, right? Then you got to go to college, you got to play NAAC ball, right? NCAA ball, right? Then it's the league, right? And then in the league, you got to do this, you got to also, you got rookie, you got, you know, all that, right? So we had a similar path mm-hmm. in rap, right? Where it was like, you got to do things by certain dates. You got to have a certain kind of trajectory and, and, other, and other stuff. It's probably not as formalized as the NBA reference that I gave, but it was that your first album and the sophomore album. What dictated who you were going to be in the mm-hmm. game was your sophomore album. Like that sophomore the jinx. The sophomore jinx was real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you could have a first mm-hmm. record, a first look, and dominate, right? Your first look. Bah, 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 bah. That's game one. Game two is where it matters, right? That's where it matters. Yeah. And that was what... Was, that applies across the board. That was yeah. what was on my mind, right? was like, okay, we get the first one out, but that second one is what's going to tell the tape, right? What's going what's gonna to decide. Mm-hmm. So even what, what you were saying, just kind of speaking to what you were saying, Royce, like that that first record piece... It's like okay, yeah, you will get you get away with that. Okay, as long as it's hitting and you know how to, it's, it's more it's more about what you take off than what you leave on for your first record. You're establishing a sound, you're establishing something that the fans can grab a hold to and say, okay, this is what I fell in love with, and this is what I identify this artist as, and this is what I expect. So the second album is you basically trying to find a way to give them that. And more. And and more part is what fucks a lot of artists up. <laughs> Putting too much emphasis too on much. the and more. <laughs> too much pressure. Putting too much emphasis on the and more. You know what I mean? Because you start shooting for things that you don't necessarily have to, and you lose the organic feel. You know, so so I mean, yeah, that sophomore drink shit is real. Not even just with albums, but with songs. You know, like hit songs or classic songs, songs that connect in a certain way. It's hard to recreate that shit, especially if you're going in the studio with that on your mind. You weren't thinking like that the first album. So the sec, the first album, the success of an album just gives you more shit to think about that can distract you in the studio when you're going in that second time. You're thinking about all of these motherfucking, all of these fucking, uh, these, these markers and shit that you hit and these bars that you set that you feel like in your mind you can't perform under these bars so now that's pressure within itself you're listening to the lupe and royce show with lupe fiasco royce to five nine and tom frank all right fellas one of today's sponsors is better help we got a lot of pressing mental health issues in the world today what do you what do you think the most pressing one is i think it's the stigma associated with mental health in underserved communities tom and i think it's about being comfortable in your own skin being who you want you to be Sounds like a time to recommend our sponsor, BetterHelp, which provides professional counseling in a safe and private online environment. Lou, tell our listeners how they can benefit from BetterHelp. You can start communicating with a counselor in less than 24 hours, schedule weekly video or phone sessions, send messages anytime, and even change counselors for free if needed. BetterHelp's licensed professionals specialize in topics like depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, and anger. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, affordable, and anything you share with your counselor is confidential. Get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Lupe and Royce. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash Lupe and Royce. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to 5'9", and Tom Frank.
So some quick fire, quick fire questions for you. You had a lot of people you collaborated on this thing. Who, who, who was, I got to ask, who's number one? Who's the favorite one? Man. Sasha Green, Jay-Z. Sarah Green, Matthew Stantos. I mean, so you got, you got Gemini, Sarah Green, uh, uh, Matthew Santos. That's all uh, a soundtrack uh, pro. Uh, I think I think Buchanan's is on there. Buchanan's on there. Chris and Drop. I gotta look. I might Jonah. Be, I might be confusing um, things, but Jonah Montranga. Uh, but that's yeah. that's Lincoln Park. So that's a uh, Jonah Montranga is not Lincoln Park, but Mike Shinoda is. So Mike Shinoda who did the beat for instrument. Like I, I I wanted to do like how Royce talked about with Prime, right? Like your heroes. Like now I'm finna just do stuff with my heroes, right? And so for me, the mm-hmm. album was like, man, I want to work with my hero. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want my mm-hmm. first move to be the people that, to me, are like, like Jill Scott is, um, she's Sarah Vaughn and Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday. Mick, she's that to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I can't work with Billie Holiday, but I can work with Jill Scott. She's on that same level to yeah. me, right? So I got to work mm-hmm. with you. Like, I don't care what it takes, what I have to do, I got to do it. With the expectation that she's not going to do it, right? Um, Jay-Z, same way. But Jay is different. But it's like working with Jay, being around Jay, and there's like, I'm going to get this verse from Jay. I'm going to get that verse. That changed. That's like, ooh, goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but being mm-hmm. the same thing with Linkin Park. You know, being in the studio with Mike Shinoda was just like, I look up to this dude not only as a rapper in and of itself, but just Linkin Park. Like, that meant so much to me. I remember putting stack bundles up on Lincoln Park. We just, he was talking about how he used to just ride around Queens when he when he went back to to New York. It was just bumping Lincoln Park. He was looking at him like he's crazy, right? But it was just at that time those were my heroes. Like I gotta work with Lincoln Park. I gotta work with the Neptunes. Like I gotta work with Pharrell. I gotta work with Chad. I gotta work with Neptunes. Like that's heroes. Like these are my heroes. If I never get this chance again, heroes. I want my first thing to have all of the people that I really <laughs> rock with musically and culturally. Um. So you got the team conversation, the team, everybody on the squad is on is, is coming along for the ride for the most part. And then it's like, okay, who's the heroes? You know, who do you, who 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 do you want to make those those first moves with? I mean, I tried to get three six mafia on the album. I went down and worked with them. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. It was like I got to get a beat from three six mafia. It didn't it happened, but it didn't happen. So heroes, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the favorite. I mean, nothing beats being in being in Philly with Jill Scott. This Jill Scott, it is just this powerhouse on a song that is based on a story that my dad told me when I was five years old. They put all the buildings of Chicago together; they're gonna make a robot. And then being able to take that story and had Jill just put her just her Jill Scottness all over the top of it, and then it being she in the booth and she like, tell me what you want me to do. Like what? Like, you know, <laughs> take the reins. Tell me what you want me to do. I was mm-hmm. like, you Jill Scott. You could just go in there and say like, I'm Jill Scott and walk out the room. She's like, nah, nah, tell me what you want me to do. And she did that whole, I was like, I want this whole like operatic type thing. And then she was just like, okay. And started banging out opera runs. I was like, oh, and I had the best Philly cheesesteak of all time from a restaurant that I don't think even existed when they went and got it. Cause I've never been able to find it again in Philly. So it was just a perfect moment, man. 
to be to be to be in that space and giving that control over greatness. You know what I'm saying? To have the to see greatness have a humility to give you the control over it to do something with. It's like yo, I'm yo. None beats that. Mm-hmm. All right, favorite song to perform <clears throat> from that album. I mean, nothing drops like Kick Push, man. Nothing. Kick Push. Nothing drops like Kick Push. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite hip hop songs of all time. Ever, ever. Sure. How about the one with the most meaning behind it? That maybe we wouldn't know. Uh, personal meaning. I mean, hurt me soul is. I, I never made personal records. Even to this day, I kind of don't. I still kind of shy away from it. I tell other people's stories or I, I mm-hmm. mask my story in the midst of some lyrical wall or something. But like Hurt Me Soul is probably the most personal record you ever get from me outside of maybe records that are about my dad on Fighters on my on, my, on the next album um, and, and Lasers. Lasers has a bunch of personal records on there, but you, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. But they're really, really personal. I was, real, I was in a real bad space with Lasers. But... Um, he say, she say, right? But he say, she say is not about me, right? I had a dad, you know, I had a mom, I had a, a, a family. But he say, she say was written for my homies who didn't have that, mm. you know? And so for me, and I, I constantly remember the homie that I was writing it for, you know, or the homies who was in that space where the father figure wasn't around, you know what I'm saying? And just mm-hmm. seeing that and what that meant and the, the, I don't, I don't want to go too far and say it's damage, but what could have been, you know, for those folks who did, and the way they, and the way some of them, some, the way some of my homies turned up and turned out, you know, like mm-hmm. if it was a father there in a real serious way, maybe this would have went a different way. Um, so yeah, probably he say she say, for a lot of, and for a lot of people, because a lot of people went through that, you know, and come back to me and say, man, he say she say puts me in a, it breaks them, you know. I'll end it with this. Who is Lupe Fiasco because of food and liquor? What? You, you, you already said it. Wealthy and famous. No, bro. man. <laughs> no, you know what it is? You said it. No, no, no. I get to get, I get to, I'm going to keep it a buck, man. I'm going to keep it a buck. I get to be in the presence of, of, of my peers like Royce, right? Royce D59. Right, the dude who D five the five the five nine the guy, <laughs> um, who is a grandmaster lyricist, you know, who who is revered, you know, and has access to the greats, you know, you, he got a group with DJ Premier, like, come on, bro, like it's ridiculous. To even say that, like, yeah, I'm in a group with DJ Premier. Like, well, you know when I was 14, what I would do to somebody for a DJ Premier beat, bro? <laughs> I wanted my name scratched, like, not nah, like, you know what I would do to somebody? But to know he got that on speed dial, and for the things that he just said about this record, you know, to, to have his words, mm-hmm. you know, be a part of what this album is, you know, to have his tattoo on it, so to speak, as it goes off into life, right? To know that it got it 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 gets the energy and the, the kind words of my brothers like this is like super powerful. You know what I'm saying? Like for me that's like mission accomplished. You feel me? 
Well, you did that. It resonated with us all. So thank you for those moments, sir. And we appreciate you. Give Lupe a round of applause, Tom. God dang it. Man, look at him. He got me not cursing. Yeah, don't curse. Now <laughs> I need my turn. All right, cool, cool. Ramadan coming. Oh, I, I, I could dig it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not curse too. I'm gonna not be cursing. I'm gonna not be cursing. No, Ramadan is now. You, you not co- don't curse. It's now. I ain't curse. Right. I ain't curse. Yo, what up? This is Lupe Fiasco. Food and liquor, 15th anniversary. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate y'all. Uh, from me to you, and from you to yours. Uh, I hope it's added value to your situation. And I appreciate y'all for tuning in with us for sure. This is Royce to five nine, and hopefully in one more year, when food and liquor is sixteen, it'll be driving. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. This is Tom Frank. Thanks for listening. A classic album, a classic yeah. night. Sit back, enjoy the show. Food and liquor gonna pull up like. <laughs> Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. What's going on, y'all? Sean from California. Uh, good morning, Kings. And uh, good morning to the coolest colonizer at the cookout, my man Tom. What's going on? Um, I just want to say I really, really, really appreciate you guys for doing this episode. Uh, I felt like it was, like it blew my mind when I, when I heard y'all first, um, you know, commercial, I guess, or ad for better help from the beginning. I was like, wow, this is what they <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, and uh, I can honestly say that I've been using BetterHelp now for, what, they just charged me last month. That's my third, fourth month now. And, I mean, I love it. It's amazing. Uh, on my third therapist, they get it in. But, you know, you got to find the right one for you. And I feel like I have. And, you know, I feel like I got a better quality of life now. And it's only going up from here. Um, also, real quick, just got to say, y'all said it wasn't going to be no battle with the writing. Uh... Lupe just opened that door, man. He took mad shots at you, Royce. I mean, at least maybe that's just how I saw it. So if Royce got the pin this week, I am so excited to see how you choose back because that was kind of foul. That was out of pocket. Why, Royce? Come on, man. You could have made somebody up. But anyway, I love y'all. What y'all doing? Keep doing it. Tom, keep being you. Keep holding it down. Y'all have a good one, Lupe and Royce. I watched it, not by advertising, but by choice. So, you know, shout out to you guys, you fine gentlemen. You guys prove it every week that you can bring the heat and even add in more of these little sketch. And I think you guys are on to something. Shout out Tom, too. Central Pennsylvania, if you know, you know. Here we go. Hey, yo, what's up? This is JT Ryder out of Atlanta, Georgia, a.k.a. Player 2, at JT Player 2 on Instagram. And a uh, long-time fan of Royce and Lupe QI. Uh, now I'm just playing. But um, I was listening to one of the last two episodes, and y'all said you want to hear some rats. And I got some rats. But first, I got a question. I just wanted to know, in terms of music, who did you two grow up listening to? Because I grew up listening to Tech and Eminem and Eminem imitating what they said. He's in a seat of men spinning, couldn't get it. Stop my head the same as I'm a trundle in a riddle in a picking ten of them. And ever since I've been ahead of my years, by light years, I'll be quite near what you might hear when I'm right here with the mic here, with the mic here, with the mic here, I can bite your spine. Give it in a little. Yeah, who did y'all grow up listening to? Um, love the podcast, love the banter, and Tom on edge, you on the edge of greatness on a podcast with these two fine gentlemen. All right, love. 
That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or follow. Leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. It's recorded and mixed by Claude Jennings. Our head writer is Lauren Sloat. I'm Tom Frank. And our theme music is by, who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the Five Nine.